Well, good morning. It's uh, Pastor Eric here with you for our uh, Friday morning devotion. It is nine-ish, as I have promised before. Every Friday, we will get together at nine-ish, and thankfully today it's closer to nine than to uh, 9.30 or 10. Um, so today, we are going to look at a psalm that is extraordinarily familiar, I'm sure, to most. And that psalm is Psalm 23. Now, chances are, whether you're the church-going type of fella or lady or not, uh, no matter who you are, you have probably heard this psalm recited somewhere, at least at a funeral, uh, maybe even in movies. I mean, there, it's just, it's kind of the most well-known psalm there is. Uh, but the reason I'm doing that today is because um, as I looked at the lectionary text for this Sunday's worship service, this psalm just happens to be Psalm 23. Uh, and really the whole service uh, centers around Jesus as our good shepherd. And so I figured I'd, I'd do a little digging into Psalm 23 today because I think even though we're used to hearing it and it's pretty familiar to us, uh, the reality is we may not have picked up on everything. Um, I will say up front, I'm indebted to my good friend Chad Bird, who is a Hebrew scholar, for giving me some of the insights that hopefully I'll be able to share with you today um, about this psalm. But I think it, it could be enlightening and, and helpful for us uh, as we move through it to see it in maybe a slightly new way. So let's go ahead and dig into it. Psalm 23 uh, begins like this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, first things right off the bat, this doesn't mean that we don't have wants. What he's saying here is he's making the point that because the Lord is his shepherd, he won't lack. He'll have his needs met as the sheep under the care of the shepherd. So think about it that way. I, I shall not be in need or be in want is the way he's using the term here. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Just stop for a second and consider who's doing the verbs. He, I love this, the way this is put, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Why does he have to make us lie down in green pastures? Because we tend to get way too busy ourselves with all sorts of anxiety and all sorts of fretting about. And so our faithful shepherd knows when we've tired ourselves out, when we failed to rest, and he makes us lie down in green pastures. It doesn't simply say, he finds some green pastures and sort of leaves it up to you. No, God knows what we need as his sheep, and he cares for us enough to make us uh, lie down there in the green pastures. Of course, also the imagery uh, of uh, the green pastures and being beside still waters is that this is a place of feeding and a place of, uh, of abundance uh, for us as sheep. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now that word restore there in Hebrew is actually the word uh, shuv in Hebrew. And it's the same word that's used often in the Old Testament to uh, depict repentance. 
So you could literally translate this, and it would be totally fair game. It's translated like this in other parts of the Old Testament. He repents my soul. Now that's key because what we're prone to thinking and sometimes what's taught is sort of repentance is the part of our salvation, the part of our relationship with God that's on us. That's our part. But even that, folks, is said to be done by God on our behalf. He repents my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So all of the, all of the things going on so far, it's just God doing the verbs. It's God guiding and protecting and leading us wherever we may go as his sheep. That is what David is writing in exaltation for. That's what he's praising God for. His good shepherd knows exactly what he needs as his sheep. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in the original Hebrew of Psalm 23, there are 55 words. It just so happens that right in the right smack dab in the middle of those 55 words is this phrase, for you are with me. In other words, the very center of the psalm, the very essence of what David is praising God for in this psalm, is that no matter where he goes, he's always going to be in the presence of God. No matter what happens. That's why he can walk through even the valley of the shadow of death and not fear. He knows that his God, his shepherd, is with him always. What does it say in the New Testament uh, about Jesus? That he will never leave us nor forsake us. Why? We are the sheep of his pasture, and God does not abandon his sheep. He's the one that goes and uh, runs after the lost sheep, bringing that sheep back to the fold. And what about this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me? That, that does seem, um, you know, I think the first thing we sort of think of with a rod and a staff is we think of discipline. That could be what's being talked about here, but actually the rod and the staff of the shepherd was the thing used to defend the sheep against the wolves and against the enemies of the sheepfold, against those who would kill them. So that's why the sheep finds great comfort in the rod and the staff. Yes, there could be an element of it where it's discipline. You know, the crook can kind of keep the sheep from straying. Uh, that's true. But it's more used as a, a weapon of defense. And so that's where the sheep finds comfort in knowing that God, who is always with them, is not just with them, but is always defending them. Now, suddenly, in verse 5 of the psalm, the, the setting changes and the imagery changes. It, so far, it's been God as shepherd. Now, God turns into a table host. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Here again is that picture of abundance that God has for us and that God has promised to his people. Uh, when someone was anointed with oil, there's many different, sim there's a lot of symbolism behind that in the Old Testament. It, it was a, a something that was done to uh, kings when they were inaugurated. Uh, it was something often done at, at meals to sort of clean off um, all the dust and dirt because, of course, dust and dirt was a big uh, issue uh, as people were gathering for a meal. 
It was a sign of, of great honor to, have, to be anointed with oil. And, um, and yet there is this, this funny phrasing here. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, why, why, what does that mean? Why would you want a table prepared in the presence of your enemies? Well, the essence of this, um, from David's perspective, is not that having a table uh, prepared in the presence of enemies is the ideal situation. But what David is, is actually acknowledging is that the enemies at the table cannot do anything to hurt him. The enemies can have no power over him. That he can, because God is with him, he can sit and relax and eat a good meal and enjoy himself and be at peace, even if he's surrounded by enemies, because God is stronger than all of them. That's the idea behind the imagery there. You've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Of course, whenever I hear table, I can't help but think of the Lord's table. And oh, how I can't wait to take the Lord's Supper with you again very soon, as soon as we get back together and reopen. The Lord prepares a table even still for us today. And presented on that table is the very body and blood of Christ that has in fact defeated enemies, not by uh, slaughtering them, but by redeeming them and calling them friends, by restoring them, by making them part of his sheepfold. And so he continues, he ends the psalm with, I think, maybe my favorite insight from the Hebrew language in this text, verse 6. Because of him being with, God being with him at all times, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, there is a big problem in my mind. It's not that it's wrong. It's not that the translators are, you know, bad or anything. I'm not casting doubt on that. But I really don't like the translation or the choice to use the word follow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's not nearly strong enough. The word is actually, uh, it could be something like uh, uh constantly pursues, is, is stalking us. Goodness and mercy from God isn't just following us. It is hounding us. It is pursuing us. It will not stop going after us. That's the imagery that David uses. It, again, it's this imagery of the shepherd who just will not be thwarted in his quest to have the sheep be part of his fold and to be prepared uh, with pasture for them to eat and in, be in fellowship together and to dwell in his house forever and ever. And so what kind of shepherd do we have? We have a really good shepherd who pursues us uh, unflinchingly with goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. And that is why with David we can praise him this morning. That's it for our brief time in Psalm 23 this morning. I pray that you have a great Friday, and uh, please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless.